Om Sam Sarasvati Maha. Namaste. This evening on page 127 of the book called Srima, the Guru and the Goddess, uh, we're going to begin with verse number 61 of the Guru Gita. And we're studying what does it mean to become a disciple? What does it mean to reflect the purity and the clarity and the efficiency like a sadhu of uh, someone who's really in love? I mean, we're trying to make ourselves into lovers. And we have no doubt that we have someone, an example in our lives that we love very much. How do you want to treat her? Do you, do you want to do everything in our power to have it ready for her the way she wants it just before she gets there? Or do you want her to sit down and say, well, I need this and this is missing and I, that's not done completely. And how do we manifest the optimum efficiency? Yesterday, on our website and our Facebook page and Twitter and Blitter and everywhere else, we put up a little statement that said, if from the age of 22 years old, you saved $200 a month, by the age of 67, you would retire a millionaire. <laughs> And today we put up a statement in the same context that said, if you learn two mantras a week, at the end of a year you'll have more than a hundred mantras that are your own. It's more than a good Brahmin priest would have. At the end of seven years you would have the entire chandi inside. Never need to look at a book. Now these are efficiencies, these are focuses, these are attentiveness, these are opportunities for us to demonstrate the sincerity of our devotion. How do we want to make that devotion manifest? I have a list of items that Srima needs by her table every time she sits down. She's going to need a glass of water. She's going to need a box of Kleenex. She's going to need some glasses. She's going to need a place to put the glasses that she takes off her nose so she has room to put the other ones on. I know these things. Now when I'm in love with her, I want to make sure they're there for her. I want to be there for her because I want to demonstrate the sincerity of my devotion. That's all. I don't need any brownie points. I don't need her to give a gold star next to my name. I just want for me, not for her. Who cares about her? I want for me to know that I did the very best I could to make sure she knows she's supported that she wants to come to class, that she wants to sit and listen to the Guru Gita, that she, I want to empower myself to have such a being in my audience. And for my own selfish interest, I want to do the very best I can to make my love manifest. 
And that's just what we're talking about in the Guru Gita. This kind of efficiency, the kind of attentiveness, the kind of surrender, the kind of manifestation of our love, which demonstrates with unequivocally, without a doubt, nishandeh, without any hesitation, with purity and clarity of mind, I have surrendered the very best I possibly can to the edification of my beloved. And that's just what we want to say. So in verse 60, we said, she directs the performance of the drama on the stage of existence. That's how I regard her. She is the director. She's going to tell me, how do you want it done, Mom? And she's going to say, you play this scene this way. She won't say, Swami, I'd like you to be the most inefficient, uh, foul-mouthed, uh, 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 obese, uh, intellectual slob that you could possibly be. She's going to say, Swami, I want you to be this kind of efficiency. She pours forth the rain of the nectar of compassion. She gives me that bhavana, that inspiration, that the kick in the pants, and the compassionately she's striving for my improvement. Constantly, only she wants me to be the best that I can possibly become. She doesn't want me to be any less. She won't accept that I'm any less, and that's her compassion to me. Because if I'm less than what I can possibly become, then I get to come again and again and again until I manifest my true potential. She is the garland of all the principles. She sews them all together from the gross body, the five karmendriyas, the five organs of action, the five ganendriyas, the senses, the five manhabuts, the shitti aptej poem, the earth, water, fire, air, and ether. She, she is the tan mantra, sight, sound, smell, touch, and, and uh, 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 taste. She is uh, the 24 principles, uh, the, the mind and the, the intellect and all recollection and the ego sense of distinction and separation itself. And then she becomes the Purush and then that is, she is all Prakriti. Prakriti. She is the perceiver of truth, consciousness, and bliss. Who can see such ananda? May the respected Guru's divine perception eternally be fixed upon me. And moreover, may my even limited perception be eternally fixed upon her. She's the example. How do I manifest that example in my behavior? What do I need to put there so she knows that I'm sincere? What do I need by her chair? What do I need by her sink? What do I need by her stove? What do I need in her car? What do I need? How can I make that bhavana manifest? That sense of efficiency, that sense of dedication. I care. I want every one of my actions to say, I care, I care enough to pay attention. I care enough to make the best manifest. It's not hard, it's not rocket science. She needs a glass of water and she needs a Kleenex. She needs her spectacles. She doesn't need us to make spectacles of ourselves. 
She needs her spectacles so she can watch the divine drama. I mean, it's not really difficult. It's not hard. In fact, I think it's pretty academic myself. So may my perception always be fixed upon her, and may the divine perception always be fixed upon me. Think about those who, in our lives whom we love. What, what do we need to make them comfortable, to empower them to do the best that they possibly can, because they know unequivocally they have our support. Probably it's not a lot. Probably we need, most of us just need attention. When we listen, people pay attention. When we speak, people pay attention. They don't uh, turn on some distraction. I'll, well, you're talking now, I'll put on the TV. Or you're, you're uh, doing something else, I'll go out of the room. Most of us just need a little bit of attention, and if we pay attention, we can see immediately what do we need in these circumstances to create a harmony. If we turn it out, or tune it off, we're going to find it begins to grow into a bigger something than it needed to be. But if we pay attention, we can find a solution immediately. So, if you pay attention to mine, you can see, well, there's a glass of water and there's a piece of Kleenex and there's some glasses there. I mean, it's not a lot of stuff to get. Most of the things are readily available somewhere in the temple. If we love, when we love, in order to love, we will focus our attention on our beloved and all the problems and all the difficulties and all the mountains of con conflict and confusion will immediately dissolve. Vindyachala will bow down. <laughs> uh, remember when Vindya did Tapasya, he said, I want to be bigger than Mount Meru? And he did this sadhana and tapasya and tapasya and he grew and he grew and he grew. Siva gave him the boon. He would be taller than Mount Meru and he got to be so big the sun came around in the earth and he said, what's that in my way? Vidya, how did you get so big? And Vidya said, it's my, it's Siva's blessing I got big. Well, the son said, Vindya, I can't pass. I've got to go around the earth. Would you please bow down, lay down? And Vindya said, no way. I did Tapasya to get the blessing to be bigger than Meru. And you see, I am bigger. I am taller. You just go around me. The son said, I can't go around you. This is my path. That's not my path to go around you. This is my path. And then you say, well, you find some other solution. And the son went to Brahma and he got all the other gods and all the other gods got together and said, hey, with Brahma, mm, what are we going to do? How are we going to resolve this? And meanwhile, it's a day all day long. 
long on this side of the earth and it's night all day long on that side of the earth and nobody's making puja, nobody's making yagya, the gods are getting hungry and they're all getting tired and some people are sweltering in the heat and other people are freezing in the cold and this is a horrible circumstance, what are we going to do? And Brahma said, I have an idea. Let's go see Vishnu and see if he can't solve the problem. They all went to Vishnu's house, boy, good. And they said, Vishnu, Vinya has become so big that the sun can't go around the, the earth. And Vinya won't lower himself. Find a solution. Vishnu thought about it, said, this is really difficult. <laughs> this is really complex. I don't know what to do. Let's go to Shiva. So they all went to Shiva. Brahma and Vishnu and all the gods and all the goddesses and they all went to, to Kailash and they said, Shiva, Bindya has become so big that the sun can't go around the earth. Can you think of a way to make Bindya bow down or lower himself so that the sun can pass? It's day all day long on this side. It's night all night long on that side. Nobody's making yagya. The gods are getting hungry. Everybody's tired and weak and perplexed. And Shiva said, yeah, that's easy. Let's go to Banaras. Agastya Muni is doing tapasya on the bank of the Ganga. Agastya Muni is doing tapasya. Well, how is that going to make Vindya lower itself? <laughs> what does that mean to us? Sheep said, come with me, I'll show you. It's no problem at all, just pay attention. Just pay attention, listen intently. Watch attentively. All the problems will dissolve immediately. Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, with all the gods, all the rishis, all the munis, they all went to Benares. And there on the bank of Ganga was Augustia Muni, he was doing tapasya, he was doing his sadhana, he saw Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, and he, all the gods and all the rishis, all the munis, and he, he immediately stopped his tapasya, he bowed down, he, he, he said to them, oh my, my, my divine ones have come to give me darshan, what seva could I possibly do for you? Shiva said, Augusta Muni, Vindyachal, the mountain, has grown taller than Meru. He is in obstructing the path of the sun. No one can go around him. They can't go through him. They can't get her. It's day all day long over here. It's night all night long over there. And how do we humble Vindya so he'll bow down a little bit so the sun can pass? Augustia said, that's so easy. I'll take care of that for you. Is that all the seva you want from me? All the gods and the rishis and the munis and the goddesses, everybody came to see me to ask a simple thing like that? Yeah, <laughs> sure. 
Augustia Muni picked up his asan, he picked up his begging bowl, he took his mala in his hand, he took up his, uh, his danda, his lati and his stick and his uh, uh, yoga asan, you know, that little thing, that the armrest that you rest on, and he walked her all the way around Benares and he said, Namaste, Namaste. And he bowed down to all the gods and goddesses of Benares and he started walking south. Well, he came to the foot of Vindhyachal. That's the, where the, the Vindhya Mountains, uh, they, they, they separate northern and southern India. Uh, and he, came, he walked across India and he came to Vindhyachal. And Vindhya looked down and said, Oh, Augusta Muni, you have come to give me darshan. How privileged I am. What seva can I do to demonstrate the, the sense of privilege that I have that such a glorious sadhu has come to visit me, given me darshan. Augusta said, Vindhya, I'm on a pilgrimage to all the Tirthas of South India. I'm going to visit all the places of pilgrimage in South India. And you see, you've grown so tall that I don't think I could cross over your peak and come down the other side. Well, I still have this life. You're that big. Could you just allow me to pass? so that I could complete my pilgrimage and get all the holy merits of having had darshan of all the pilgrimage places in South India. And Vindya said, oh, such a simple thing? Of course I will. I will be pleased just to bow down to your feet. And Vindya immediately bowed down. And Augustia crossed over and he went to the other side and he said, oh, Vindya, could you just please remain that way until I come back? <laughs> and Vindya said, certainly, certainly I will. So Augustia crossed over Vindya. And that is why Vindyachal are the mountains which bow with the knowledge, Vind of humility. Vid satyam vidyam binai dadati. The true knowledge gives humility. And so Vindhya is the mountains of knowledge and the mountains of humility because true knowledge gives us humility. And the humility allows us to be a perceptive servant of those we love and to give, to be the giver in every relationship as we are capable. Well, as soon as Vindhya bowed down and the sun was able to pass and the the balance between day and night and night and day all once again began and all, everyone rejoiced. All the gods went home to their homes and the guru demonstrated her beneficence because she, her divine perception was always fixed upon me. Verse 61, O oh my beloved, just as fire purifies with its radiant light, 
So does this king of mantras. The Guru Gita is one mantra. Guru. Just as fire purifies golden ornaments, so this king of all mantras, the Guru Gita, why is it the king of all mantras? How do you learn a mantra without a guru? Whoever gave you the mantra is the guru. The guru is Brahma, the guru is Vishnu, the guru is Deva Maheshwara, the guru Saksha, actually, Parabrahma. That's me, and therefore, Sri Gurve Namaha. We bow down to the respected guru because she is the fire which purifies golden ornaments. That's us. We want to become golden ornaments uh, that she can wear upon her body. So this king of all mantras, the king of all mantras, the Guru Gita, purifies the mind and protects from death. If we're in love with the Guru, we're in love with the, the eternal consciousness. We love God eternally. Satchit Ananda. She protects us from death. That the Guru Principle moves and that the Guru Principle does not move cha cha it moves and it moves not that is far away that is extremely close that is within all and also that is outside of all wherever you look that Guru is with you now you can't just say well the Guru's inside me so therefore I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing that guru is inside you, it's inside everyone else. Remember the story of the disciple who went out to pick up wood in the forest. Uh, suddenly, uh, the caretaker of an elephant cried out, Get out of the way! Get out of the way! There's a mad elephant coming down the path. He's running down the path. Uh, the disciple said, Well, Guruji said that God lives within everybody. Uh, why should the guru inside me be afraid of the guru inside that elephant? <laughs> and he stood his ground. And the elephant came running down the path and knocked the, guru, the disciple right on his backside. And all the disciples came around and they picked him up and they carried his broken body back to the ashram. And when he came to waking consciousness, the guru was there and said, My disciple, why didn't you get out of the way? And the disciple said, Guruji, you told me that God lives in everyone. So I thought, why would the God in that elephant want to injure the God in me? And the guru said, my disciple, I said, God lives in everyone. That meant the caretaker of the elephant who told you to get out of the way. He lived in the inside him too. Why didn't you listen? <laughs> It is far away, it is extremely close. That is within all and that is also outside of all. I am unborn. I am free from old age. I myself have no beginning and no end. 
I am the imperishable bliss of consciousness. I am the small and greater than the greatest. Beyond all past, beyond the eternal, I illuminate my own light. I am extremely pure beyond the infinite expanse of ether, eternally fixed in the imperishable bliss. Remember the light of the Guru's soul through the four means. Uh, remember Nyaya philosophy, the Vedas, which is testimony, empirical experience, that's Prataksh, uh, history and reasoning, Re history is Itihas and Sahitya, and reasoning, Nyaya. We're going to use the various kinds of logic, the various kinds of knowledge in order to prove the, as Praman, the proof that the Guru's light is eternal. Oh, you of great intellect, I am telling you that by which this effect becomes, by which spiritual aspirants can perceive me, you are altogether established in sincere efficiency. Wow, that thing keeps coming up again and again. You are altogether established in sincere efficiency, that is demonstration of your, the, the sincerity of your devotion, that is demonstration of the purity of your love. The, it, you're really a, a lover. You've made a commitment with a big C. And that commitment is that we will always pay attention to one another so that we can learn from each other, that we can, we can share together and work together and be together as a guru-disciple relation. She is the cause of the entire circle of existence. Remember the Srishti Mandala. In your, the middle of your Sri Yantra, you have a circle, and that represents all existence. She is the means by which arise distinctions of the movable and immovable objects. Chara chara. These are all distinguished by her knowledge, her discrimination. She is the intuitive vision of the syllable that. Tat tam asi. Therefore, tasmi, we bow down to the respected Guru Sri Gurubhainamaha. At her lotus feet reside the chief jewels of all scriptures. And we just surround her by scripture because the scripture is our guide. The scripture is a roadmap. The scripture is a, a history of how rishis became rishis and how we can become rishis too. It's a, it's a description of how devas became shining ones and how we can become shining too. So we put all the scriptures, all the roadmaps are at her feet. And therefore, her light illuminates the highest teachings of wisdom. And therefore, Tasmi, Sri Namaha, we bow down to the respected Guru. By the re mere remembrance of her, one's own vision rises in increase. Yeah, all you got to do is remember the guru and our own vision rises. Our own intuition rises. Our own wisdom rises. She alone is the attainment of all. Therefore, we bow down to the respected guru. She is consciousness. 
infinity, peace beyond imperfection, as limitless as the heaven, beyond the subtle body, beyond the subtle body of sound. That's the Nad Shakti. That means she goes beyond the Nad is what? Bindu. Beyond the Bindu is what? Shabda Brahman. She is the beyond the Nad, the Shakti. She's beyond the subtle body of sound, the one-pointed seed of existence, the Bindu, and all attributes, all gunas, all upadis, all every kala, every attribute. Therefore, that's me. Shri Gurvei Namaha. She alone is established in the perceivable world. There's nothing that doesn't reflect the image of the Guru. She alone manifests with immovable and immovable existence. Chara Chara. Again, she, she's everything. Every atom of existence. She has become all individual objects of the entire perceivable universe. Tasmai, therefore, Shri Gurvei Namaha, we bow down to the respected Guru. She rides upon the energy of wisdom, shining forth with the garland of principles, all the tatwas, all the tatwas she wears as a garland. She brings us from the gross body to the subtle body to the causal body and then beyond. She bestows enjoyment of the fruit of all actions and liberation. Bukti Mukti Pradayini. She gives the enjoyment of all actions. You're going to enjoy the fruit of your karma whether you like it or not. And she gives you liberation from that enjoyment. Tasmai Sri Gurvei Namaha. Therefore, we bow down to the respected Guru. By bestowing the wisdom of one's own soul, all the actions accrued over many lifetimes are burned. All we need is the wisdom, the wisdom of our own soul. And Tasme, Shri Gurvei Namaha. And therefore, we bow down to the respected Guru. There is no principle greater than the Guru. There is no purifying austerity greater than the Guru. Nor is there any principle beyond this wisdom. Therefore, Tasmi Sri Gurvei Namaha, therefore we bow down to the respected Guru. My God to me is the respected Supreme Lord of the universe. My guru to me is the guru of the three worlds. My soul to me is the soul of all existence. And therefore, we bow down to the respected guru. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. I have a Namaste. Yes, please, Rima. You disciple. Is not efficient. Yes. Yeah, no. And what Guru should do? Oh. Take her out to the woodshed. <laughs> if a disciple is not efficient, Ma, she is not a disciple. Only those who are acting in accordance with the principles of a disciple are disciples. And those who act differently 
according to their own definition, well, I'm going to behave my own way, then they are not disciples. They are not reflecting the purity and clarity and sincerity of the Guru. A disciple is one who lives by this Guru Gita. This is the main scripture which we are trying to imbibe, in, inculcate into our own being so that every action is in accordance with this definition, then you can call me a disciple. If I am not efficient, I'm not a disciple. I may be trying to become a devotee who praises the Guru's attainment and goes about life the way I want to go about life. I don't care what you say, Guru. Doesn't matter. <laughs> What you say is just a nice suggestion. That's fine. It's fine for you. But I'll make my own choice. I'll make my own decision. How can I be a disciple with that attitude? They're devoted. They're devoted. A little bit devoted. To the extent that they give up their ego, they become greater devotees. To the extent that they reflect the, the entirety of this way of life, then they're disciples. It's very clear. It's, there's a clear criteria for the definition. Yeah. It doesn't say maybe you'll do this. It, says, it doesn't say I suggest you do this. It says if you are a disciple, you will live this way. So I, I think that's clearly the answer. If you are a disciple of your own accord, you will want to demonstrate this kind of behavior. Otherwise, you're not a disciple. You're, you're, you're like a rhino, a Republican in name only. <laughs> you become majestic. In name only, I'm a disciple. Okay, look at me. I've got a badge. I can go to the dome and meditate. They are all devotees. No. They are all devotees. Not really. Some of them are not really devotees. Some of them are a little bit devotee. <laughs> Some of them are great devotees. Not everybody is really a, a, a devotee on the same intensity and the same intensity of commitment. Those who are really disciples are manifesting this kind of behavior as a natural course of their daily lives. It's the thing that's most important to me in my life is to make sure that I can do whatever I can do to put you, my guru, in the highest harmony, in the highest bliss, in the highest state of comfort, and empower you to do more of what you do. But disciples can go beyond guru also if they do like that. Disciples can, but devotees will not. Devotees will say, hi, Guru, so glad that you did such a good job, and I get some more prasad. <laughs> more prasad for me, that's a, a devotee. I get the fruit of your karma. <laughs> but a, a disciple says, I'm doing the karma as you are doing the karma. You are the example to me. And that's the distinction. Are there other questions, please? I understand we had some questions from a few days that didn't get asked. 
Do you have those questions? You don't. We'll wait for Shivani to come, and then uh, we can ask those questions. We have fresh questions. Well, let's go for them. Uh, question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. Namaste, Sham. What is the difference between Ishvar Panidana and surrender to the Guru, or is it the same? Ishvar Panidana. Panidana. What verse are you talking? I. Are you reading from my book or from somebody else's book? I don't know. It's just a question. Panidana means the giver of life, or it means uh, it could mean many things on many levels. But Ishwar Panidana, it, it could mean in its highest evolution, Ambika. I would love to say it's the giver of the life of of divinity, uh, the giver of the life of Ishwar, or Ishwar is the giver of life to us. He empowers us. And what was the, the question? Is, is that the same as surrender to the Guru? Mm. Uh, we're stretching it a little bit. Surrender to the Guru in Sanskrit means I offer myself in equilibrium. Now, I am in Sama Arpun. I'm offering myself in equilibrium, and that is surrender to the Guru. And recognizing that the God is the giver of life, it's a bit of a philosophical hurdle to equate the two definitions. Uh, but if you want to send me the Sanskrit, uh, I will be glad to study it further. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste! I'm so happy to hear from Nanda in San Jose. I'm so used to hearing from Nanda in Milwaukee. Uh, welcome home. I have committed many errors in my life because of lack of attentiveness and regret many of those actions. While I strive to be attentive going forward, please suggest how I can overcome the deep sense of regret in those cases when I am unable to make amends. Oh, you are so privileged, Nanda, to have... Uh, been able to get a learning experience at such a small cost. <laughs> Most of us pay through the nose. We go to college and we come out with debts that keep up with us for years and years and years. And others of us, you were so fortunate, you had those learning experiences and instead of regretting, we want to appreciate and we want to turn around to all of those experiences and say, wow, what a bad experience. Thank God I learned my lesson. I appreciate so much that you were able to teach me so much at such a small cost. <laughs> For now, I bow to you, life. I bow to all the manifestations that came into my life and it rewarded me with such wonderful experiences that I could be where I am right now. Can you imagine every one of those stupid things I did? And believe me, there were a number of them. You don't want to hear them. But every stupid thing I did helped to bring me to where I am right now, sitting in this chair pontificating about a scripture, talking about the person I love the most in my life. Can you imagine the privilege? I must have done something right. Those guys who taught me for such small dakshina. They gave me a slap on the wrist. They gave me a, a kick in the pants. They gave me a, the slightest penalty 
for taking the biggest lesson because look what I did with my life. I'm where I want to be with people with whom I want to be with. I'm doing what I want to do in the place where I want to do it. That's really a privilege. Nanda, turn around to all your past and say, past? <laughs> Namaste. I bow to you. I thank you. I appreciate you. Look where I am today. Yes, please. Verse 65 says there's four means that we perceive the guru. Are they equal? Uh, at the time, they are equal. In other words, when you were having a production, you were having a, an empirical, sensorily verifiable experience. That is equal to the bhavana of listening to the testimony of the Vedas or listening to the testimony of your guru. The guru says it's true and you believe her. So you think it's true and you feel it just as intimately, just as intuitively as if you saw it yourself. So yes, they are equal at the time. Now, do you want to create a hierarchy of these experiences? I don't think we need to. You read it in a book and you said somebody else reached the same conclusion with the same knowledge, in the same circumstances, with the same experience that I'm having right now. Is this any less than my seeing it myself? I still feel elation. I still feel the joy. I still feel that bhavana, that tr the reality, the truth of this circumstance, this communication. I, I still feel it's real to me right now. I don't have to make a hierarchy of the types of experience or the types of proof. Put them all equal and say it's all out there. I can prove the existence of God and Guru. Just through my feeling, just through my heart. I don't need anybody to certify it for me. I myself am certifiable. <laughs> you have a question, please. Verse 61. Yes, please. It talks about the Buddha Gita protects from death. Yes. What exactly does that mean? It means that we become one with the guru, one with the goddess, one with the eternal soul. Then why are we concerned with dying? What's going to die? If I am one with Satchit Ananda, I have the wisdom of the eternal soul, then I'm not concerned with death at all. It protects from death. My soul, my eternal soul is not going to die. My wisdom is not going to die. My love is not going to die. I may change this body a hundred times or a thousand times, but the bhavana stays with me. That's what it means. It protects from death. Yes, please. We have a question from Ramya. Namaste, Rami. Mommy, so happy to have you back in California. What does the Guru Tatwa mean? From verse 62. The Guru Tatwa is Tat <laughs> That is you. The Guru Tatwa is Tat. The Guru is Guru. She is the illumination in the darkness. She is the, 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 the highest principle of Tat. She is the, the manifestation of that 
supreme truth in the Bhagavad Gita. We call it it. It is. It cannot be burned. It cannot be by fire. It can't be wet by water. It can't be blown by wind. It is eternal. It that is the principle. We have a question from Vivekananda. Namaste, Vivek. In our sadhana, in our sadhana to become perfectly sweet and efficient, is there a time when so much of our ineffectiveness drops away at once, or is it constantly a slow process, or a little of both? It's a little of both, Vivek. There are times when you become so absorbed in what you are doing that duality ceases. You are sadhu. You become totally efficient. And then there are other times where you come back and you, you are caught in the mire of, of duality and slowly, slowly you become more efficient. So it's something that we want to maintain vigilance over. How do we manifest that efficiency all the time or as much of the time as we possibly can? So, it, it, at times, you will become so absorbed in what you're doing, you won't realize the passage of time. In fact, you become eternal. You become engaged in karma yoga. Actions which bring you into union. And they bring you into such a union, you move beyond the five kanchukas, kalniyati, uh, raga, kala, and vidya. You, you move beyond time and space and activity and knowledge and attribute. So you, you just become one with it. It becomes absorbing to you. Like you're writing a, a piece of code or you're designing a, a, a project. Whatever you're doing, you achieve that state of focus, that state of attentiveness where you unite. You achieve yoga through karma. And it happens all at once. And there are other times where it's kind of a strain and you're sort of paddling your boat against the current and you're pushing the waters to the behind so that you can move forward and it's slowly, slowly, there's no one rule for all of life, Vivek. What we want to achieve, if at all possible, is to empower our disciples to recognize the circumstances of life. And when they achieve that, that state of focus, that state of communion, that state of unity, when their consciousness is united with the objects of their awareness, then they can bask in the perfect efficiency of union with Satchit Ananda. And when life does not bless you with such circumstances, then you can define your path according to your goals and use your discrimination to decide how much energy can I use to keep propelling myself forward and how much do I have to divide amongst other areas of responsibility. Constant debate while we're in a human body. Constant debate. Is it more prudent for me, economically, to go out in the garden and till the soil and plant the seed and water the seed and fertilize the seed and guard the seed until it becomes a plant and gives forth the vegetable? 
Or is it more prudent for me to get a job and go get a paycheck and go to the supermarket and buy the same vegetable and bring it home and eat it? A debate for all of us every day. This is an economic consequence of having a body. Which is more efficient? According to your circumstances, time, place, environment, circumstance, the people with whom you associate, at one time it'll be more important and more prudent and more beneficial to plant your own vegetable. At another time, it'll be more efficient, especially when you get old like me and got a bad back. You can't, you can't swing a pick anymore. You can't break up the soil. You're not, a, 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 you're not enamored of working for, for, for a few pennies an hour by picking your own vegetables. Then it becomes more efficient for us to get the money and go to the store and buy the vegetable. Constant debate, though. And in this way, all the areas of your life, Vivek, are subject to that discrimination according to your time, place, and circumstance. And your goal. And your goal. Absolutely. That's why we stress so much, plan your life. Because it may be that when you're 67 years old, you won't have the energy to go out there and till the garden and harvest more than one or two cucumbers. And then what do you do the rest of the year? How long are you going to make those last? <laughs> it may be that it's more efficient to get a job and buy the cucumbers on a regular basis as needed rather than harvest five cucumbers in July and have to make them last until October or December. Every one of us has to figure this out for ourselves and for our families and for our communities and for our associations. How do we want to live in this world? How do we want to make our contribution to this world? all part of the same understanding. Does it come immediately or does it come slowly, slowly? Yes, please. We have a question from Elijah. Namaste, Elijah Baba. How can we cultivate a greater intuitive relationship with the Guru? How do we increase our capacity to anticipate the Guru's wishes? Elijah, everything we are studying in this text is directing us towards cultivating that greater intuitive understanding. What does the guru want from us? Does she want us to donate, uh, give me your, the balance of your bank account? Or does she want you to give her your soul and give her your love, give her your attention, and give her your, your, the sincerity of your bhavana? What do you think? If she's a guru that wants only my bank account, I would say, wait, maybe I better think about this. Do I want a guru that just wants my bank account? Is that the kind of guru I'm looking for? Now, if she said, I'm a guru who wants your bank account so I can invest that money and send you to college and make a future for you and in, in, try, train you, so intertrain you, so that you can become the greatest you that you can be, there's something more to, dis to, dis to discuss. 
But if she says, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> then I would think, hey, well, wait a minute. Why should I buy the guru a 97 Rolls Royces? <laughs> Why does the guru need so many Rolls-Royce cars to add to his collection so he can drive around the property? What discrimination would allow me to think that the guru needs another, another Rolls-Royce so he can drive around the property and wave at the disciples? I don't think, for me, according to my goal, that's not... The discrimination, that's not the criteria that I would use. So I would choose something different. I wouldn't want to contribute to a guru who's taking my money and buying a Rolls Royce and driving around the property to wave at disciples. I would take a, a give what I have to a guru who is manifesting the ultimate love and the multi, ultimate generosity and she's empowering me to manifest my highest potential as well. I would give her everything. Oh, I already did. <laughs> but I'd go out and get some more and give it to her too. I would empower her to decide how she wants to make her love manifest. I would do what I could do in order to keep continually empowering her so that she could be the best guru she could possibly be and show me the example of what I could possibly become. That to me is a guru-disciple relationship. I have the faith that she's going to treat me wisely. I have the understanding that what has she done with what I've given her already? I have an experience of the past. I see her in my, in my perspective. Through the purview of my limited understanding, she manifests perfection to me. She doesn't take my money or whatever I get and, and go off and have a good time for herself. She takes and she goes shopping for everybody who comes to the Davy Mundir. She cooks for everybody who comes to the Davy Mundir. She sends everybody home with food. She sends everybody home with new cloth. She, every time there's a festival, she passes out money. She gives a Rudraksha and a t-shirt and a dollar bill to, and a meal to everybody who comes to the Davy Mundir. How can I fault that? She doesn't sit on the throne and say, everybody line up and bow down to me. She says, I want to sit with all of you. Remember the time we were in Massachusetts and we were on a stage and, and the guru said, let Srima sit in a big chair like me. And so Srima went and said, do I have to sit in the chair? And the disciples said, yes, please. The guru said, please sit in the chair. Uh, and so Mama sat down in the chair. And then she said, okay, I sat. Now you can, you can take it away now. <laughs> that was the example we wanted to follow. She didn't want to be up on a, 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 on a dais in a, in a throne while lording all over her subject. She wanted to be chanting with us at the fire, just like the, the rest of us were giving our devotion. She was saying, Chandimaki, Jay, 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 even louder than we could do. She had pure devotion. 
She was the example to us of the light in our darkness. She wasn't sitting over there and saying, you should do that, you should do that. She was saying, look what I'm doing. If you want, do it. If you don't, don't. If you do it, you're a disciple. If you don't, you ain't. That's all. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Just keep kissing. We have a question from Joshua. Yes, Joshua, namaste. How do we practice efficiency with regards to spiritual practice? I'm going to have tremendously less time to do sadhana in the future. What can I do to be more efficient in our spiritual practice? Joshua, one thing you can do is prepare your puja the night before you go to bed. So that you wake up in the morning, you take a shower, you sit down, everything's organized and ready for you. In the night after you make the sergeant of your puja and you clean up your altar, then shine your, your brass and your copper and all your utensils, get your flowers ready for next morning, get all the ingredients necessary for making the puja all ready and organized, and even you can, if your, uh, if your puja place is... Uh, cool enough, you can put all the things out there by your asan in the night before you go to bed. Organize your book, your text, your flowers, your, your fruits, your, your water, your milk, your yogurt, your ghee. Put it, put, you look at our altar. It's already set up. All you got to do is sit down. It's been set up for the last 20 years. We don't have to think, you know, people will go write me, I'm coming to do puja, what do I need? I said, you need some devotion, come on to the temple. Uh, well, don't I need some sindhu? No, you don't need sindhu, I've got it right there, my old. <laughs> don't I need some, uh, some uh, 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 chandan, I, I need some sandal paste. No, 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 you don't need some, I've got it right, I've been doing this for 20 years in, in the same place, the same puja, it's organized, all you need is get your butt over it here and sit it down, and then put your focus and your attention and your love, your devotion at the altar. You know what? I'm not doing this for money. I'm not doing this for a living. I live to do this. You look at Srima's altar. It's organized every day. In fact, she's got a little label. You put the conch shell here. You put the, the water pot there. You put the candle there. You put the incense there. She's got a road map right on the altar. If you want to help her, just look at her altar. It says what to do. You don't have to think about it. Every time you think, you get in the way. I think that's the best thing you can do, Joshua. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma. She says, can you please tell us more about the current peace mantra that we have been offering, its meaning, application, and why Ma, Ma chose it for now? Yes, we are offering the, uh, the mantra about Ramakrishna. And... Our current peace sankalpa is in honor of the Guru on Guru, Gita, uh, Guru Purnima. So we've been offering uh, the, the, the mantra, Om Namo Bhagavate, I bow to the supreme manifestation of divinity, Sri Ramakrishnaya, the respected Ramakrishna, who is Ram and Krishna, who is Ekadari Ramakrishna. Namo Namo. I bow. And we're doing that in honor of the Guru. And we're honoring the Guru in 
such a way that we ourselves feel privileged to honor not only our guru, but every guru, and every guru, especially in the lineage, because Srima and Ramakrishna are links in the chain that take us to Shiva. And that's where we're going. We're going to Shiva. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Don't go anywhere else. Just go to Shiva. Bind yourself in the links of the chain that take us to Shiva. And we're reciting the Guru Gita every day. I think uh, we've got, uh, today was Ashtami. I think we got, today was Saptami. We got eight pots uh, completed in, in, uh, eight, it'd be in seven days. Seven lunar days for the lunatics. And the eighth day is extra. We'll have a couple of extra pots too because we're going to fill up this ashram with devotees over the weekend and we'll all sing the Guru Gita together. We get to add more pots to our total. We have a question from Robert. Yes, Robert. Life forms evolve in physical creation from inert minerals to plants, animals, and humans. Each layer is a specific kosha. Can you elaborate? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Life evolves through the koshas. We understand that. And it evolves uh, through, from a one-celled animal to a three-celled animal to a five-celled to a substance to inert matter to uh, uh, achar. Those that move and those that move not. Those are the evolutions of matter, uh, the evolution of life because there's life in every cell, in every atom, there's life. So uh, I don't know, I don't understand what your question is. Uh, can I elaborate on a question I don't understand? So sorry. We have another question from Ambika. Yes, Ambika. I know what I feel like when I'm not efficient or when I don't follow through in my efforts. What does the guru feel when our behavior is less than the originally hoped for? Thank you. Disappointment. Disappointment. We want you to be the best. We want you to be better than us. I mean, that's the least you can be. We're not, we're not so hot ourselves. We want you to be even better. And so when you don't live up to your own standards, we feel disappointed, we feel hurt, we feel almost personally aggrieved that it's an egregious behavior when you don't live up to your potential how can you live up to ours we are trying to empower you with the highest attainment which we have understood not because of our selfish interest well if we want to empower you and that's our selfishness and that's our desire that's our goal is to make you independent and fully capable so that you can achieve the highest that you can possibly achieve. And when you don't do that, and when you rebel against that, and when you even defend against criticism for your inept behaviors, then we feel even more, oh, how useless. <laughs> you take the wind out of our sails. So that's how it feels to the guru. And in order not to do that, we are asking and praying and requesting that you constantly be diligent. 
You constantly be efficient. You constantly pay attention so that you can manifest the greatness which we know you are capable of manifesting. We're not asking from you things that you are incapable to perform. We are asking you all to live up to the potential which we know you have. That's our selfishness. That's why we are, have attachment. That's why we feel disappointment. And sometimes it's really disappointing. Other times it's extremely rewarding. When we see our, our people that we have empowered take the knowledge that we have given them and go out and make something perfect and make something beautiful and inspire others. We ourselves are turned on. We ourselves are empowered to do more. We are inspired to do more without a doubt. Because that, that's how it manifests for us when our, our family goes out and takes our knowledge and makes it bigger and better and brighter and, and turns on other people to it and inspires other people and empower other people. We want to applaud. Om Sam Sarasvati Indamaha. Namaste.